Testing, one, two, three. Testing, one, two, three. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the DTF Podcast. My name is Sam Norton, and you are a listener. Thank you for coming back and being a part of comedy as we dissect it, replace it in your brain, and deconstruct it so you can understand it and hopefully enjoy it a little bit more. Maybe not necessarily what we talk about, but doesn't matter because you're here, you're listening, and you're wonderful. So thank you again for joining me. Today, we are going to talk about a little sneaky favorite movie of mine, a very, very funny comedy. You may have seen it before. It's one of the unsung classics of director Marty Scorsese. That is the 1983 satirical black comedy, The King of Comedy, or just King of Comedy. Uh, the movie, before we get into everything and dissect it, uh, just to give you a background for anybody who's seen it, uh, the whole movie is up on YouTube, so you sh- you can see it for free, and you definitely should. Uh, you should actually go and buy it, but uh, you know if you're too lazy, you can pause this, go to YouTube, watch the whole movie, come back and know what I'm talking about. But if you're not, let's continue. It stars uh, Robert De Niro, surprise, surprise, working with Marty Scorsese. Jerry Lewis, yes, that Jerry Lewis, the late great comedian Jerry Lewis, and Sandra Bernhardt, also a very funny comedian. Uh, you may know her. Uh, I know Robert De Niro and Jerry Lewis don't really need an introduction. Sandra Bernhardt, a uh, very, very famous comedian throughout the 80s and early 90s. She was also a co-star of uh, Roseanne Bars on her show Roseanne, the movie was, yes, directed by Martin Scorsese, uh, and the whole movie was written by a guy named Paul Zimmerman. Now, I looked him up because I've never heard his name before, and the guy had an interesting life. Uh, This is the only movie he wrote for. Uh, He wrote this screenplay, somehow sold it. Martin Scorsese picked it up, and they made the movie. The only other thing he did in entertainment was like a few TV scripts here and there, but he mainly worked for Sesame Street, which is odd because this is such a dark uh, black comedy that you don't think people from Disney and, uh, well, Disney now, but, uh, just Sesame Street at the time, you wouldn't think those people, you'd think they were a bunch of hippies that thought the, you know, something of the world, but I don't know. It's nice to know that, uh, even the, uh, the most beautiful among us have some real fucked up thoughts. Um, and anyways, later he became, he, he wrote this movie, kind of fell out of show business, became a politician, like at some Republican, uh, local uh, senator, local state senator, uh, and then uh, unfortunately died of colon cancer in 93. So there's a little bit about him. I was just interested because I've never heard his name before. So anyways, the movie breaks down like this. It's the story of a guy named Rupert Pupkin, who is played by Robert De Niro, and his character is this really pathetic kind of autograph hound, deranged, hopelessly unsuccessful stand-up comedian. Uh, I don't even think... In the movie, it kind of... He's never been on stage before. Like, he's been... He writes comedy, but he's never been on stage before. But anyways, through a certain circumstance of a guy... Uh, hounding a guy named... The character named Jerry Langford, who's played by Jerry Lewis... Um, Rupert and Jerry meet, and Rupert Pumpkin 
tries to develop a relationship and get into the business knowing uh, Jerry Langford. Now, Jerry Langford, which is Jerry Lewis's character, basically is Jerry Lewis mixed with uh, like Johnny Carson, right? He's a super famous comedian, uh, kind of a, this uh, aloof guy uh, who has a media presence, but then is very private in his private life. And uh, through this happen meeting where they maybe take like a 15 minute car ride, Rupert takes that 15 minute conversation just throughout the movie extrapolates it to the fact that they have such a wonderful relationship. Like he's, he's just this celebrity idolizing type of guy who, uh, is just obsessed with fame and ultimately trying to get validation because he was never given that in school or adulthood. He's just this kind of loser seeking fame which I think a lot of people can relate with. I certainly can. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to play a couple of clips. Um, one is Jerry, or Jerry, uh, Rupert is in his, he lives with his mom, and uh, Jerry in the car ride towards the beginning of the movie uh, ends up uh, giving a, uh, get, like saying, hey, send me a tape, we'll see what you're, uh, what your skill is at, and then he uh, goes home, Rupert Pumpkin goes home, uh, he lives with his mom, uh, and he's downstairs in the basement recording this act and just telling his mom, uh, you know, shut up, I'm trying to record, but he's recording into this little microphone as his audition tape. So it's very awkward, but I think it I think it kind of spells out the, the comedy aspect of it. So we're going to listen to that, come back, and uh, dissect what that means, and then we'll get into later scenes in the movie, too. So uh, let's listen, and then we'll be right back. Long, thank you very much for your help at the office and for passing this on to Jerry. I appreciate it more than you know. Now, Jerry, before I begin, I just want to thank you for listening to this material and for the opportunity you've given me. You know, lots of people think that guys like you, you know, people who've made it, lose their feeling for struggling young talent, such as myself. But now I know from experience that those people are just cynics embittered by their own failure. I know, Jerry, that you are as human as the rest of us, if not more so. Oh, well, I guess there's no point going on about it. You know how I feel. So let's get on with the show, the best of Rupert Pupkin. Jerry, I've sketched out this little outline in order to save you a little bit of time, okay? It's a little introduction. So close your eyes and imagine it's exactly 6 o'clock. You're standing in the wings, and we hear Lou Brown and the orchestra strike up your theme song. And now, from New York, it's the Jerry Langford Show, with Jerry's guest... Richard Pryor, Ben Gazzara, Elizabeth Ashley, Carol Burnett, and the comedy find of the year making his television debut, Rupert Pupkin, the new Rupert. king of comedy. Rupert! Are you crazy? Say What's hello, the matter Drew. with you? Yeah, ah, Mom! People are sleeping. Lower it. Oh. What's the matter with you? Mom! 
Take it easy. Lower it. I don't I'm not going to lower it. I have to do this now. I don't mind you playing it, but lower it. Now, you come on, Jerry, and you do your monologue, and then when the time comes, this is how I see you introducing me. You could say something like this. Will you please give your warmest welcome to the newest king of comedy, Rupert Pupkin! Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Rupert Pupkin. I was born in Clifton, New Jersey, which was not at that time a federal offense. Is there anyone here for <laughs> But the fact is that no one is allowed to be really too poor. Because once you fall below a certain level, like 11,000, they exile you to the same. My parents did, in fact, That was Rupert Pumpkin towards the beginning of the movie of King of Comedy making his audition tape in a basement. Uh, and then his mom yelling at him and then him going on to Fantasyland pretending that he's performing on the Jerry Langford show. And the reason I wanted to play this clip uh, before we get into the rest of the movie and then talk more about the movie is uh, it, it kind of showcases what the character is supposed to be. He's just painfully... Uh, sad, down-and-out kind of nerd who honestly just wants to, like I said, chase the validation uh, that comes with celebrity. And so he has this... He has this fantasy that he's built up in his mind, uh, and you can hear it in the way that he's talking through the audition tape, right? That he's just talking into a tape... Like uh, like he's actually at a meeting, right? Like he's pitching himself uh, to a friend. Like he's just sending it. And he just met this celebrity. Um, and it, it's, it's just painful how, uh, how oblivious he is uh, to, to his, uh, his situation. And the thing is, when you watch the movie, uh, you, you first go like, oh, this guy's just unaware. He's just a weird fucking guy. And honestly, I don't... Uh, every time I watch it, I go like, oh, I think he does know how much of a loser he is because in the movie, he uh, there's a lot of, not flashbacks, but like daydream situations where it shows like uh, certain, like Jerry Langford going like, oh, you're hilarious, kid. You got everything. You're, you're an amazing guy. Like he's projecting his fantasies uh, into the future of like, yeah, I'm going to be famous. This is going to happen. Jerry's going to sign off on me. And later towards the end of the movie, he starts, uh, doing this thing where like he's on, uh, on television, he's on the Jerry Langford show and he's actually hosting his own show and he has his, uh, uh, high school principal come out and they, the high school principal goes like, hey, we were all wrong about you, kid. We we all think that you're great, and I just wanted to apologize on behalf... He's having his high school principal apologize in his fantasy that he's not a loser. And so I think he is very... Uh, I don't think he's oblivious. I think he's very aware of what everybody else looks at him like, and he wants to combat that. Um, now, 
this podcast, this episode is going to get oddly uh, personal. Uh, this is one of those movies that I watch when I am, uh, I, and I don't think I get depressed, but like whenever I'm just like, fuck me, and I'm in that mood right now. Uh, just give you guys a little uh, background. I, I just kind of feel stagnant in my career. I love doing what I do. I, I can't really complain all too much. I have a wonderful wife. Uh, I can make a living off of comedy. Uh, you guys listen to me, which I think is fantastic. Uh, but I'd be lying if I said I wasn't, uh, I wasn't feeling stagnant. And also I think the bigger thing is like, I don't, I don't feel uh, respected. And, uh, the reason I watch this movie is cause, uh, makes me go like, holy shit. Uh, not, I, I don't watch this movie in like the, holy shit, it could be worse. Uh, I watch this movie to go, holy shit, I might be Rupert Pupkin. And I wonder how many other comics or people watch this movie and do that, go like, fuck, am I this guy? Is this me? Like, you, you want to think that you're, you know, something better. But uh, here's, here's honestly what I'm scared of, right? I, I, have, I have a lot of fears in life, uh, none of which I think a lot of people um, say... You know, the the easy ones that people say is like, oh, I'm afraid of heights or I'm afraid of death. I'm not afraid of either of those things. I, I honestly am scared that I'm, number one, uh, oblivious uh, to the realities of the relationships I have in my life. Uh, not with my family or my wife. I think uh, I think those are pretty rock solid. Um but like friendships, acquaintances, business partners, that stuff. Uh, in general, I go like, oh, I got, I, I know exactly where I stand with each of these people. And then uh, that's one of my biggest fears is to be hanging out with somebody and go like, oh, that was real fun. And then you know, two hours later, uh, just find out that they were talking shit behind my back or saying like, what a fucking weirdo. Or you know, I invite. Uh, someone to go hang out and uh, just keep getting blown off and then have to take the hint after like 12 of them like oh no they just don't want to hang it you know what I mean like there's there's those fears of like oh you know what uh, the the people that I call friends in my and I I'm pretty I know I'm pretty loose with that term but that's what scares me is that I'm fucking Rupert Pumpkin like he he met jerry langford in a car and then was like yeah we're friends and i'm like fuck am i that loose like do i do that with people where you know we hang out because with comedy you 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 know you spend a a week together at a club or you guys see each other uh around town or whatever and you know it becomes pretty familiar it's like work acquaintances at your job you know you work with somebody and occasionally you'll go out and get a drink with them and then you go well, are we friends or did we just work together? And sorry, my dogs are going crazy. See, I'm, I'm just like Rupert Pumpkin right now. Instead of yelling at my mom, I'm yelling at my dogs. Shut up! <laughs> oh fuck me! But anyways, you, you have those relationships in your life where you're like, oh, we're pretty solid. We're good friends. I feel like I could, uh, you know, it's not. It's like that. Um, you know, that Seinfeld episode. It's like, I'm not going to drive a lot of people to the airport, but there are people in my life that I've helped uh, move or I've done favors for or 
tried to support with, you know, either, you know, like favors or money or just it, trying to trying to show through deeds of like, no, I, I really am there for you. Like, I call you a friend. And then, uh, you know, there's that weird, deep, dark part whenever you start feeling bad for yourself or just kind of get under the weather like I am, right? And then go like, fuck, is everybody... Is everybody just, like, either taking advantage of that or are they fucking, uh, am I the loser? Like, am I the guy sitting in the basement? You know what I mean? And right now, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Kinda, you know, sometimes you feel like that. Right now is it. That's why I watched this movie and wanted to talk about it. Uh, and then, you, you know, you get out of it and you go, no, it is what it is. Like, people are busy. Uh, people wouldn't spend time around you or give you the light of day. Uh, unless, uh, you know, they enjoy, genuinely enjoyed you. So that happens, but that, those dark places, uh, that you go to, uh, that really, that really, uh, starts putting into, like, the back of your head going like, oh, well, I don't know, dude, are you, are you a fucking joke to people? Like, and, and I think part of that is, like, maybe, you know, and I, I'm going to relate this to Rupert, like, you know, when you are, uh, I don't know, you know, the, the character, you get the idea that he was bullied and just kind of a nerd and in school and shit. And whenever that happens to you, that doesn't really leave. You just always have that, like, fuck, am I still this guy? Like, I, I don't want to be this, I don't want to be the guy who had rocks thrown at him. You know what I mean? And Rupert's like, yeah, I don't want to be this guy who the principal, principal said was a fucking loser. Uh, and so you... You go like, no, nah, I'm not that. Uh, you know, things are happening for me, and that's that's kind of Rupert's whole thing is that he's so driven that he uh, doesn't doesn't stay that loser. Like that, that's where he gets his drive and ambition, which is where my next fear comes from. Right? Uh, my next fear is that I don't know the difference between ambition and crazy. Right? Uh, Rupert. Later in the story, right, so up till now, he makes an audition tape. Then he goes and gives the audition tape, uh, like Jerry kind of said. He's like, yeah, just bring it in. Well, he can't get past uh, some executive producer, and she's very nice to him, uh, more nice than she should be. In, a, uh, in an interview, <laughs> uh, Martin Scorsese said like that it's actually the, the best scene for his character because she uh he he drops it off to her the first time and then she's like yeah it's going to take like a week to do you know for him to see it and he's like oh no I'll wait and she's like no seriously he's he's not going to be able to see it for you know at least a few days uh so you're going to just have to come back trust me just come back and he'll do it and you know he's just some fucking random guy that she, he met in a car and so he's like all right so he comes back and she's got to give him the, the news whether she watched it or Jerry watched it uh she gives him the news of like, yeah, you know, we, we're, we're not interested. You know, we see talent. I say, go out and do comedy for, you know, for a little bit. And whenever you feel comfortable that you got your act or after a year or so, uh, you know, we'll keep in touch. Right. Which is super nice to say she doesn't. And that's kind of what Scorsese said he wanted to do is just show that she was actually being, uh, a really nice person in the industry. She's doing, something she shouldn't, she doesn't have to do, right? Just letting him down easy. And yet he still says in a very uh, aggressive tone, he just goes like, okay, okay, do you speak for Jerry? Almost in this, like, who the fuck are you? Like, do you know I know Jerry? Like, we're friends? Like, I, I don't think you 
I don't think you know what's going on here. You're just some lackey. And, uh, you know, that's partly because he doesn't know his relationships, right? Which is a fear of mine, too, of like, fuck, do I, do I push people the wrong way? Because I don't know where, where they'll actually hold up for me type thing. And then uh, the other thing is, like, he's got so much ambition that he's burning a bridge that's actually being made for him, right? He's, he wants it to happen now. He's like, no, I'm fucking ready. Let's do this. And he doesn't recognize the fact that, uh, yes, his ambition got him into the door. His ambition got him to be at least de- like at the first developmental phase of a uh, working relationship with either the executive producer, Jerry himself. You know, he's he actually has some clout to him that he's not just some regular Joe Schmone if he keeps in touch type thing. Like that's the silver lining of like, yeah, dude, you got yourself in the door. They said they'd look at you. Just keep in touch and uh, get better, and you actually got something going. But he just wants it now. And so his ambition turns into crazy, uh, to which leads into uh, a couple of great scenes where he busts past the security. He gets thrown out, then goes back up, busts past the security, uh, runs throughout the office asking for Jerry. Then they comedically throw him out on the street. Uh, and then this is where the movie turns into a dark comedy. Uh, him and Sandra Bernhardt's character, who Sandra Bernhardt is basically just a stalker. She's a sexual deviant stalker who wants to be with uh, and fuck uh, Jerry Langford, Jerry Lewis's character. So what they do is they abduct him. They uh, they hold him at gunpoint, throw him into a car, and then they uh, go back to Sandra Bernhardt's apartment. Uh, Sandra Bernhardt tapes him up and then does this like it's it's a great scene but it's uh it's too visual to let you guys listen to but I, I I want you guys to look it up but it's it's basically her just slowly going insane going like I'm gonna fuck you and we're gonna do some weird stuff together while he's all taped up but the funny part is like she's having this like crazy almost manifesto of sexual deviant things asking him questions and he is taped from his nose down like he cannot speak and he's just in the shell of masking tape it's actually a quite a funny visual gag um but then rupert pumpkin uh holds him for ransom then uh he holds him for ransom then uh, says like you'll get him back if i can get on and do you know a seven minute set basically like a carson set so people can see me so they do, they actually been to as well, he gets on, and uh, side note, it's not, I'm, I'm not going to go into the whole movie, uh, he does have a love interest from a girl from high school that he uses, um, uh, he, he like builds up like, no, I know Jerry Langford, we're really good friends, uh, and then he, may, he fabricates, through all these fantasies that he has, he fabricates a deeper and deeper friendship, and then ends up lying to her but lying in a way that he really believes it happened like he he twists his mental state enough to go like no he invited me to a party out at his place so they take a cab they take a cab out to uh jerry's place and just wait for him and jerry comes back dresses him down it's uh it's a really it's a really weird scene, and we'll we'll play it right now. So that's where we're going. But the, what I wanted to get at, uh, I wanted to build up to this scene. It's like 
he's kind of overstepped his bounds. He's thought that Jerry was a, a better friend or just anything to him. Uh, and through his ambition to not only be Jerry's friend to make that a reality, but to also become a celebrity and drop off the tape and uh, get the girl. That ambition turned him crazy, and I'm I'm afraid uh, that shit like that hap- will happen or is happening or does happen to me to where I get too self-involved in wanting to do something. I don't recognize how to actually maneuver that I just go, no, let's do it now. I'm ready, right? So we're going to go to this clip and come back and uh, keep talking about my fears and why this movie is a horror movie to me. It is the scariest thing, but it's also just a great, funny comedy too, but it is a fucking horror comedy for me, for sure. Uh, so let's uh, let's listen to Jerry Lewis uh, as Jerry Langford dressed down uh, Bobby Kelly, or Bobby Kelly, uh, Robert De Niro, Bobby De Niro, uh, as Rupert Pumpkin. Uh, so we'll be right back. I have my stuff right here. We can do it in about like a half an hour at the most, and then you'd have the rest of the afternoon to yourself. I want you out of here. I want you out of here now. Is that plain enough? I understand. Is that clear? Yeah, yeah, Jerry, I understand. Look, look, you're tired. That's okay. I'm going to leave the stuff here, okay? Read it at your leisure and let me know what you think. Rupert, don't be so dopey. Use your ears. The man is telling us to go. He is not telling us to go. Will you stop that? Mr. Langford, I just want you tell to know she's wrong, I don't Jerry, know please. anything about this. I don't even know this guy. Wrong. I haven't Listen, seen him in years. Wrong. He told me you were friends. Tell us she's wrong. Rita! Okay? Rita! I feel terrible about Rita. this. I'm so humiliated if there's I... anything I can do to Rita. make this up. Don't listen to me, Jerry. She's please a girl who works say... in a bar. She wants to spoil it. Come on, Rupert. Do you understand English? Take your things all and right, go. All right, I can take a hint, Jerry. I just want to ask you to listen to my stuff for 15 minutes. That's all. Is that asking too much? Yes, it is. I have a life, okay? Well, I have a life, too. That's not my responsibility. Well, it is when you tell me to call you and then you don't... I told you to call to get rid of you. To get rid of me? That's right. Okay. All right, I can take a hint. If I didn't tell you that, we'd still be standing on the steps at my apartment. Yeah, all right, so I made a mistake. I so did Hitler. All right, oh, oh, this is the way it is when you're famous. Now right. I see. You understand now? Yeah. That's how you guys are, huh? No, not not them. No. Me, That's yeah. That's how you are. Uh huh. Right. When you reach the top, huh? That, no, I was that way before. I see. Now I know how people like you. All right. Are. Goodbye oh, and good luck. Goodbye. And Jerry, Jerry, I just want to say one more thing, Jerry. I'm glad what you did to me today. You know that because now I know I can't rely on anybody. Not you, not anybody. And I shouldn't rely on anybody. Right. You know that? And you want to know something else? I'm going to work 50 times harder. And I'm going to be 50 times more famous than you. Then you're going to have idiots like you plaguing your life. That's right. Right. Yes. Come on, Rita. We're wasting our time. Go ahead, Rita. Goodbye, Jerry. 
Oof. That was uh, Jerry Lewis uh, dressing down Robert De Niro in King of Comedy. Man, that was such a harsh scene. Every time I watch that scene, I'm just like, fuck. Like, he's got his potential girlfriend there that he's been lying to. He's got a guy that he was idolizing, and in his head he convinced himself, like, oh, I'm going to make this girlfriend work. I'm going to show her that I'm friends with Jerry Lewis, or Jerry Langford, sorry. And then uh, it all falls apart in that one scene, which leads him to fucking snap and go crazy. Uh, <laughs> all right, so this leads me into uh, into the last fear. Uh, my last fear is that like being a geek and thinking in a room to myself, fantasizing with too much confidence. And what I mean by that is like confidence. Uh, like having confidence because nobody else uh, gives you that love that you want or those compliments that you want, that respect. And so a lot of people, there's always like two ways to go through it, right? You have the people who didn't get that in one way or another, and so they withdraw. They become super shy, uh, bitter, or, uh, you know, X, Y, Z, right? And then you have uh, the Rupert Pupkins in their lives who uh, don't get that kind of validation, and so they overcompensate with uh, confidence, right? They just have confidence out of nowhere. Uh, Rupert, uh, it's indicative, right? Before he closes, like, slams the door and leaves, he's like, you know what? I'm going to work 15 times as hard and be 30 times as famous as you right now. Any other person caught in that mortifying situation, embarrassed in front of a girlfriend, embarrassed in front of a, a guy that you idolize, uh, would crumble and apologize and duck out uh, and put their head in the sand. And he does not. He goes full bore uh, in saying, like, oh, okay, this is not... He, ba he basically blames everybody else but himself because he has confidence enough or ego. I don't know which one it is. I think it's inflated confidence with nothing to actually show for it, so that's just ego. Uh, and so he, uh, yeah, he, he, he makes the situation worse by not recognizing the situation or his fault. And uh, holy shit, I can't tell you how many times, you know, in my life I've, you know, I, I've, I've burnt bridges in my career uh, and a lot of times I, I can justify it as, uh, whether the justification is right or not, I can justify it as like, well, this is the morally right thing to do is stand up for yourself in this situation. Uh, but I, there's other bridges that I've dressed down or that I've, uh, dressed down. There's other situations where I burn a bridge. It's, I think built out of this insecurity that I have so much confidence that I've had to build up by myself uh, that uh, it's not necessarily a house of cards, but holy shit, is this wobbly tower of confidence held up by by its own fucking struts. Like, there's no outward support. And that's that's a little bit of self-pity, to be honest, because I, I do have, uh, especially with uh, the health of my family relationships now and the health of my wife, uh, I have a good support structure on that. But before all of that came into being. It was very uh, self-reliant uh, as far as getting that confidence. It was very, like, uh, what, what's that? What's that? 
uh, saying. You fake it until you make it, right? If you fake confidence enough, it's like a mantra that you chant to yourself in meditation, right? If you say it enough, it becomes a reality. If you say you're confident, you become confident. Uh, that's how I've always looked at it. Uh, and uh, I, I kind of changed. It was uh, midway through high school. I kind of changed this idea of like, fuck, why, why am I the guy getting picked on and this shit? And I finally was like, you know what? You des- like, I, I basically built my confidence up by myself. And uh, to be honest, I don't know if it's ever been validated confidence. Uh, I think I come off as cocksure because I, I, I think I am. I think I'm cocksure because it is not, uh, you know, there, there's nobody else. Uh, there's not nobody else. There's not a lot of people, uh, at least in my immediate vicinity that I know of, that are complimenting me on uh, anything that I'm doing. Not to say that they need to, but that's as an entertainer, you, that's what we strive for. I'd be dishonest to you guys if I said that I was striving for anything less. I'm striving for people to go like, oh, you are you know, one of the funniest people I've seen, or uh, you're talented in this way, or I've never thought about it. Like, you're just seeking, con- like, the trans, the, uh, the currency in entertainment is not necessarily money. It's compliments. It's validation. And that's what makes this movie so fucking terrifying to me. Uh, it's also, again, it's also very funny because uh, I get to step outside myself and go like, what an idiot. Um, but that's what makes it terrifying is that at any moment you can be Rupert Pumpkin. Uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a terrifying aspect. And, you know, if you're not, a, if you're not in the entertainment business, which uh, I'm sure a lot of you are not, uh, you know, you could have this in your own life where you know your perception of what's going on around you can crumble in a second because the reality can hit you and you go fuck it's kind of the same feeling that people have uh this impending doom like if you've ever been in a bad relationship where you've been cheated on and you were lied to about it and then found out that they were cheating on you for like a year right uh and you think that you're in a good relationship if that's ever happened to you uh, that moment where you find out, uh, you just world comes crumbling down. Where you're like, "Fuck! How did I not see this? Like, what, what the fuck is wrong with my brain and my perception of uh, the world around me that doesn't let me uh, see reality?" Right, and so that's the, the the way that you have that impending doom in every relationship after that of like oh, God, what if this happens and they cheat on me and then I don't find out and then then I finally find out like two years later and I got to deal with that. Like That's the way uh, I feel about my, uh, my comedy career. My stand-up comedy career is going like, fuck me. Like, what if, what if I build all this up? You know, things are, things are not going bad for me. They're just not going good. They're pretty null right now. But I, I have built a career. I've been doing this 10 years. I have a career now. I can confidently say that. Hopefully it's not uh, the bad confidence. Hopefully it's like a real, like I, I, I know I can pay the bills. I won't be buying a house anytime soon uh, with the money that I'm making, but I can afford an apartment and groceries and bill. I can keep the lights on. And uh, what if, uh, what if all of it's a sham? You know, what if, uh, the only reason I've been getting shit is uh, just being right time, right place, and not out of any uh, thing of being talented or uh, being uh, a commodity or 
uh, or even just being a, a good guy and people doing me favors. What if it's just out of sheer blind luck and uh, over the next year it all falls apart? Uh, that is a, it's a just huge fears of mine. Uh, and anytime I watch, again, anytime I watch Rupert Pumpkin do the things that he does, go through this movie, uh, you, you just see, a, it's like a funhouse mirror reflection of yourself of what you could uh, could be or could have been where you're just like, fuck. Like whenever you look at the fat one, uh, you know, if you're a skinny person, you go, oh shit, what if I become a morbidly obese person, right? But on the flip side, uh, you know, some people can watch uh, a movie like this and uh, maybe be that character. I'm trying to be positive with this. Maybe be that character in real life than see Rupert Pumpkin and it's like being morbidly obese and then looking into a mirror and then it, it makes you look skinny, right? You go, well, at least I'm not that guy. Um, not to vilify being fat, but, I, you know, being... Well, when you're morbidly obese, a lot of people have problems with it. So that's... Why am I giving you guys a disclaimer? I don't give a fuck. If you're fat and you feel bad about it, all right, that makes sense. Uh, so the, 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 the point of all this is this is a good movie. Uh, but I kind of... I just wanted to get this out. I've been feeling like this for a few days and I, you know, I, I watched this movie and it really kind of bubbled up and I, I wanted to talk about this movie in general. Anyways, it's a very, very funny movie. It's entertaining. And, uh, you know, everybody else knows Scorsese for his mob movies, which, uh, you should, uh, <laughs> Scorsese, nobody else does mob movies better than him. Uh, even Coppola, I'm going to say that Francis Ford Coppola did Godfather movie. Great. But I, I'm more of a fan of more of the street gang type of mafia than this like La Cosa Nostra, uh, almost secret society, Illuminati type shit. Uh, the, the only mafiosos I've ever known or met, uh, were all the fucking like Goodfellow guys where it's just like, Oh, you guys are just blue collar dudes in suits who are fucking crazy and murderous. <laughs> um, but he did do a fantastic movie about stand up comedy and what it's like to not succeed, to be, uh, you, you know, to be in, he, basically, Rupert Pumpkin is the guy at the open mic where you see him uh, dress up in a three-piece suit to go to an open mic and then fail and then go around telling everybody he's a comedian. So I know that's that's where he's at, and I know I'm not that because I have at least been paid for comedy. Uh, but Rupert Pumpkin got a TV credit uh, before I did. Uh, before I did? He's not a real person. I mean, like he has a legitimate TV credit in his universe where I have been on a show that you have to live in 11 cities uh, to be in. Uh, if you're outside of those 11 cities, you've never seen me before. Um, so, yeah, that's one of those things of, like, fuck, dude. How do, you, how, do you get past, how do you get past the walls in your life if you can't see them? And Rupert's a good example of that. If, like, do you have to just balance it out with crazy ambition and just go for it and fuck everything else? Or can you have everything else and just learn to see the walls in front of you instead of just bumping in to a maze where you can see it's like a it's like going through a labyrinth, you know, one of those hedge mazes, right? But instead of a, a hedge or stone, it's just clear, clear walls, right, that you cannot see, and you just have to keep walking, and you can see the goal, right? You can see the piece of cheese in the middle of the maze, and you just walk towards it, and every time you walk towards it you hit a wall that you can't see. So you just got to brush up against the wall until you find an opening. And then you just take that opening and you're just, even though you, even though you're not blind 
to the goal, you're blind on how to get to the goal. And that terrifies me because that cheese is the food, the nourishment that I need. And the longer it takes me to get to that nourishment, the more I start to starve to death. And uh, I tell you right now, guys, from my lips to your ears, um, uh, I I genuinely try to be a positive person, which is uh, the point of this show is to let you guys know of things that I like and enjoy and give you guys a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, laughter and uh, just kind of a conversation if you're feeling uh, like you want to have a conversation about comedy. Uh, But right now, uh, I feel like I'm starting to feel the hunger pains. And uh, so I apologize if this was a little bit deeper and more morose and self-pity. Fucking pity party is basically what that's what my mom would say. She'd listen to this and go like, stop fucking feeling bad for yourself, you pansy. Uh, she's a wonderful woman, by the way. I'm not making fun of her, but that she does have that tough love thing. And then my dad would go, yeah, what your mother said. Um, but yeah, the don't be Rupert Pumpkin is basically what I'm saying. Watch the movie, enjoy it, uh, laugh at him, not with him. Uh, he is supposed to be a sad character, and if you relate with him, then... Uh, we have a lot in common. <laughs> you, you, uh, you and me should hang out, and uh, whenever we're both feeling down about our our careers or life, we can go, "Hey, we're both we're both Rupert right now." Rupert, we want to be Rupert Murdoch, not Rupert Pumpkin. I don't know what that means. Anyways, I I hope you guys uh, enjoyed this, or not enjoyed it. I hope you guys uh, listened to it. If you enjoyed it, that's sick that you guys are <laughs> listening to someone talk about a movie and then go, ah, my life. Uh, but if you enjoyed it, I don't give a shit. I, I, I just uh, enjoy that we have a little community here uh, that are all comedy nerds. And uh, please come back, listen. Uh, anytime uh, I will do this as long as you guys are here. Uh, just keep listening and enjoying uh, comedy. Uh, go out and find your own comedy, but please watch this movie. I think you guys will enjoy it. And uh, follow me on Instagram at isamcomedy, uh, or uh, you can follow me at Twitter at isamcomedy, or go to my website, isamcomedy.com, or as many people know it, isamcomedy.com. Don't, don't, no matter how you guys get there, I don't care. Uh, and again, enjoy, uh, enjoy listening to us uh, every Tuesday, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. Uh, please tell people uh, this podcast grows only because of you guys. Uh, if you know other comedy nerds, get get them in on this. I, I know I know we're all out there, and I appreciate your guys' support. So uh, go out and find your own comedy. I love you very much. Uh, next time, I promise I will be back with something a little bit more chipper. I just wanted to give you guys a piece of my heart since you guys have been supporting me since the beginning. So uh, I love you all very much. I will talk to you next time. Bye. I'm sorry, I'm late. You should only get cancer. I hope you get cancer.